From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. India was left stunned on the news of the Kannada superstar Puneet Rajkumar's passing on Friday at the young age of 46. Doctors said the actor developed chest pains after his regular exercise after his regular workout on Friday morning. The sad and untimely death has once again highlighted India's struggle with heart diseases. Have you worked out today? What did you do? CrossFit, Pilates, yoga, weights, cardio, boxing, or let me guess, HIIT or high intensity interval training? excellent for your shape but are they good for your body can too much intense workout kill you it can following the death of kannada superstar puneet rajkumar at only 46 from a sudden heart attack and before him the equally shocking deaths this year of director raj kaushal and television stars siddharth shukla and amit mistri have all fed a media frenzy about killer heart attacks. Puneet Rajkumar was a known fitness fiend. He performed his own stunts in films and had also been the ambassador of the Prevent Premature Heart Attack campaign in 2017. The alarm raised by these young deaths was further heightened when Dr. Devi Shetty, chairman and executive director Narayana Health, made the sensational claim in an interview to Times Now last month that every 40-year-old male in India is a heart patient unless proven otherwise first of all indians are genetically three times more vulnerable for heart attack than europeans being a indian is a risk factor for as far as i am concerned every 40 year old male indian is a heart patient unless proven otherwise With winter closing in on India, feeding our tendencies to tuck in extra calories and laze in the warm sun instead of going for a walk or a run, does this season portend greater strain on our heart health? Certainly, the statistics are alarming. Nearly a quarter of all deaths in India are due to cardiovascular diseases, according to a 2016 report on the global burden of disease. India now also accounts for one fifth of deaths worldwide in younger populations. We get two doctors, a cardiologist and an expert in preventive cardiology and sports rehabilitation, to sift between the myth and reality of whether Indians are genetically predisposed to heart attacks and whether vigorous exercising could result in early death. Uh, there is also this general feeling I've. I've come across this that people keep telling that we are uh, as Indians we have a high risk of having a heart attack at a very young age. So uh, this this is this is actually counterproductive because people generally then tend to take this fatalistic approach that uh, you know we are Indians so it is bound to happen and we can't do anything about it. So there are two aspects to it. One is that uh, this so called genetic predisposition is not very well established so it comes from two sources mainly one is that pe- people start doctors start seeing uh, very young patients with heart attacks 
So they generally think that, okay, this is because we are predisposed and we're getting it at a young age. So there are some data also to suggest uh, we develop heart attacks on the average at a younger age. But that does not automatically mean that we are predisposed because we have a younger population. If you look at the population pyramid for India, we have something like 30% of people between the ages of, say, 30, 35, and 60. Whereas if you look at a corresponding uh, developed country, very well developed country, then it may be much smaller or it may be uh, comparable. But our older population, like above 65, is just about 3% or 5%. Whereas in Western countries, it's close to 20, 25%. So, and the risk of heart attack increases as you get older. So it starts about 35, 40, and then it keeps increasing. It's not that it's zero at 35, it's a small amount. But since we have a larger, younger population, we tend to see more young people. So that does not automatically mean that uh, we are predisposed. That's Professor of Cardiology at Ames, Delhi, Dr. Ganesh Kartikeyan, speaking to my colleague Jairad Singh. He's of the firm view that precipitate interventions and excessive testing are not the answer to concerns about your heart health. One of the things that's suggested um, is that one should routinely start testing uh, once you cross the age of 40, what, what do you think? No, no, no. That's, 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 that's the one thing. If at all anything has to be conveyed through this podcast, it should be just that. So for normal people, for normal means healthy people like you and I, who are not having any problems with regular physical activity, there is no, no question that you should be tested. So you should not be tested. So there should not be any doubt in anybody's mind that you need testing. We use this term testing very uh, loosely. So there are two aspects to testing. One is to assess risk of your developing heart disease, which means that you do blood sugar, blood pressure, uh, cholesterol levels, all that is good. So these are tests that are done for risk assessment for predicting your risk of developing a heart disease. But what people have been talking about in social media and other places is screening. So you do a test which looks at whether you're, whether there is disease in your coronary arteries or not. So that is a different situation altogether. So that is called screening. So screening for asymptomatic people is generally not advocated. There is no science behind it. So none of the international guidelines or guidelines anywhere advocate that you should screen for coronary artery disease in asymptomatic people. Even among people with diabetes who are considered at a higher risk of having heart disease, screening is not shown to be beneficial. So screening has to be done only in the context of symptoms or when your doctor feels that there may be something else, you're, you're probably completely sedentary and if you exercise, you'd start developing symptoms. So those are the situations and you should leave it to the doctor. So there is automatic screening does not become necessary once you become 40 or something like that. So people dying suddenly who are exercising that is a so that comes from uh, people who are uh, athletes. So, for example, who start to train as athletes at a very young age, 16, 17, when they go into athletic programs, there there is a question of whether they should be tested. And that's also not very well settled. And the conditions that cause sudden death, so for example, uh, the footballer Ericsson has uh, collapsed during our recent uh, World Cup. So, that, those diseases are different. They are not heart diseases in the way that we are talking about. So coronary artery disease, there are some congenital diseases. So they screen for those things in such patients who uh, who want to indulge in very heavy exercise. What are the 
the symptoms that you should start noticing for to know that there is a heart condition? Uh, so, okay, so there are two aspects to it. One is if you are thinking about exercising and you want to exercise, you start slowly and you start developing breathlessness or chest pain or something like that, then it's a good uh, indication that you should go consult somebody. That is one thing that is uh, ex uh, during exertion, you develop symptoms. But the other thing that uh, I think is important also to remember that uh, people can develop heart attacks. So when they develop heart attacks, they can get sudden onset of chest pain. That doesn't have to be during exertion or anything. It can be, especially it is usually during rest. So when you're just sitting or post meal or early in the morning or something like that, people can develop a, a excruciating, uh, compressing type of chest pain. And that is a that should ring alarm bells, and they should reach hospital as quickly as possible because then uh, time becomes very very critical. Time to treatment becomes very critical. So that is something which people should learn to recognize. So often people say that it is acidity, and you know they tend to ignore it. But if it is persisting uh, for 10-15 minutes after taking a, a antacid or whatever remedies that they've tried. And uh, uh, that's something which you should not ignore. It's always better to seek medical attention. Second thing is what we can do is have regular physical activity. So we are all very active when we are in college, or, but slowly we start becoming less physically active. So physical activity is very important. Maintain a good level of physical activity and uh, be physically fit. The aim should be that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, running marathons or something like that, but you should be fit as per your age. If you are overweight, you reduce your weight to your ideal body weight. So these are things that you should uh, uh, keep in mind. And about diet, the one thing that I can tell you is that there's no need to get into any fads. You don't have to become, you know, some kind of paleo diet or you don't have to do any of those things. Eat in a balanced way. Don't eat too, too much carbohydrate. Our, unfortunately, our uh, diet is based on carbohydrates. So we should probably cut down uh, on carbohydrates. None of the fats are really bad. You can take fat in reasonable amounts, reasonable quantities. The only fat which is unequivocally bad is trans fats. So trans fats come from you know, uh, commercially produced baked goods, for example, cakes which are produced elsewhere. So you buy in, uh, they come in pre-packed. So that is, they contain trans fat. Repeated frying, when you use the same oil for frying again and again, so you buy from roadside samosas or things like that, they can have a lot of trans fat. So those are the things. That one fat is definitely bad. So all other fats are okay in moderation. You should, you should probably have fats also because that will reduce your carbo carbohydrate intake. So it's important to keep that in mind. Most people who exercise regularly don't necessarily know when they have pushed their limits, says Dr. Ashish Contractor, Director of the Department of Rehab Medicine and Sports Medicine at the Sir Adrian Reliance Foundation Hospital in Mumbai. No one knows this better than Dr. Contractor, as he's not just a marathoner himself, but he's also the medical director for the Standard Charter Mumbai Marathon. He tells me what is the sweet spot one should aspire for and at what point in your fitness regimen should you take your doctor into consultation? Is there something called too much exercise? Because there have been some studies done which suggest that, uh, uh, that there can be episodes of cardiomyopathy if while exercising. Is that okay. 
is that something okay. that one should be okay. concerned about? Okay, so let about? me let me let me answer that, and that's a that's a question I'm asked often, and it's kind of ironic these days when I have a couple sitting in front of me rather than the spouse worrying that the other one is not doing enough exercise, which they showed. It's the opposite conversation. Oh my God, is there something like too much exercise? So let's answer that in two ways. When we talk about exercise, we can look at a session, one episode of exercise, an acute episode, right? Like I go out right now and I exercise for an hour or two hours versus chronic stuff that I do over time. So let's start first with the acute. One single episode um, is highly, highly unlikely to ever cause you trouble in and of itself. Okay. However much you push yourself, assuming, and this is a huge assumption, assuming you're completely healthy to start it in the first place and there's nothing underlying. So one single episode, whatever you do, unless you do something dramatic, like you go to, you know, you want to run across the desert for the entire day without food and water, you're going into sub-zero temperatures without adequate clothing, Apart from those extremes of weather, or you're trying to do something absolutely extreme, you know, a 24-hour run, that too without preparing adequately, without nutrition, then apart from those situations, a single episode cannot cause a problem in an otherwise healthy person. When I say problem, I'm talking about heart attack, death kind of problem. Yes, a person could faint, they could out of fatigue, you know, heat stroke, all of that can happen. That's the single episode. Now, when we talk about the long-term effect, and that's what we normally mean by too much, the cumulative effect, and that usually is related to endurance exercise, right? Classically running, cycling, things like that. There they have found, and here is interesting, they haven't defined a line, you know, above which you cross it and you call too much, but they have found that many years, and here, Minal, we're talking about decades. We're not talking about one to five years. People who've been doing 20, 30 years of large volumes. And again, large volumes, these are people who are running 50, 70, 80, 100 plus kilometers week after week after week. Why am I saying all this? Is because the actual numbers of such people is really minuscule, especially in our country. So that's the point. So anyway, getting back to the point, when they have been studied, Two things have been found. One is that they found that on some of them that there's a little more scarring on their heart muscle. And they find that that scarring might give rise to something called atrial fibrillation. Okay, atrial fibrillation is a, is a condition where there's an irregular heartbeat. That's number one. Number two, they have found that the deposition of calcium in the coronary arteries, the heart arteries, tend to be a little bit more in these lifelong endurance runners. Okay. Now, both of these, now while we find that they've been there, like there is this calcium, there is a little bit more atrial fibrillation, we do not know what the implication is from a sort of a heart attack and death point of view. Do these cause long-term problems? We don't know that. One of the theories is that while calcium is de deposited in the arteries, it actually makes the plaque harder and more sort of solid and it doesn't rupture and cause a heart attack. So it, it doesn't lead to more problems. So um, to answer your question, the line of too much exercise has not been defined. Having said that, 
on the other hand we know that beyond a point you won't get extra health benefits so the sweet spot for health benefits is is the moderate sensible guidelines 45 to 60 minutes you know 5 to 6 days a week moderate exercise of 3 to 4 days a week vigorous exercise that's the sweet spot i keep telling people you don't have to run marathons and you don't have to run triathlons you know you do that more for a achievement point of view as opposed mm. to a health so vanity project, project more like it yeah however you want to call it i i i do it myself so i'll be quiet on the vanity part but uh, <laughs> the point is um that that you know you don't have to do that for health benefits and you're doing that for other other reasons you brought up a point of cardiomyopathy let me let me address that as well so now getting back to what happens when you find that someone's exercising and during or post exercise they have a collapse right that's the time when that particular exercise session acts as a trigger it's the final straw that broke the camel's back so there is underlying stuff and that episode is what caused the tip over point okay again i give the example of the blockages or bad stuff like a volcano sort of sitting dormant for a while and the exercise session or excessive stress or smoking or whatever else you know lack of sleep on that particular day combined with you know the perfect storm happening at that point in time is the tip over which is causing that event so that exercise is the trigger so if it didn't happen to the person at that moment and at that point in time it might have happened a day later five days later a week later while crossing the road while sitting in the office and that exercise acted as that tip over point so on a completely healthy heart that cannot happen now when when this happens during exercise two things can happen and and these terms are very different though they're used interchangeably let me quickly you know talk about both of them one is cardiac arrest what is cardiac arrest the cardiac arrest is the final event which essentially happens and a person dies cardiac arrest as the name suggests is the heart stops beating so pretty much everybody ultimately when you die it will be cardiac arrest but often the cause of a cardiac arrest is a heart attack or a myocardial infarction so heart attack just means when that blockage like a the volcano erupts blood supply stops to the heart muscle part of the heart muscle dies that's a heart attack all heart attacks are not fatal roughly one third are so two thirds will survive that episode but the major heart attack will lead to a cardiac arrest will lead to death and this is the usual cause in most people roughly over 35 40 when that happens in the younger crowd when it happens let's say a 20 year old footballer and that person collapses on the field the press often reports that as a heart attack 9 out of 10 times it's not a heart attack it's a cardiac arrest that is when that young person has some underlying abnormality and the commonest that they found is cardiomyopathy which is essentially a, a disease of the heart muscle the heart sort of swells due to various types of cardiomyopathies which we really don't need to go into in this conversation but the heart muscle essentially enlarges swells and it swells in an unhealthy manner so it's not muscle becoming stronger it's muscle becoming flabbier i want to ask you that you know so take a take a sort of a 
typical case of somebody living in the city, leading a reasonably or a fairly sedentary life, then around 40, they get a health scare and then they jump into this fitness uh, kind of fad. What are the things that they should be looking out for? Um, so one is whenever someone is embarking on, on exercise, right? You can, you can be someone who, who's already exercising and looking to take it to the next level of, let's say, somebody who's not been exercising. So for someone who's not been exercising, to start with a moderate program, when I say a moderate program, it is starting with walking briskly with five minutes, slowly building it up to 30, 40, 45 minutes. So something like a brisk walk, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, most days of the week. I don't think most people need a medical clearance to start this kind of a moderate exercise. Okay. Having said that, every adult should know where they stand on cardiac risk factors. And it's a very simple assessment, which is a self-assessment you could do today, is, you know, look at your age. So typically, once you cross 45, that's kind of considered a risk factor. In females, they consider it 55 or after menopause. Family history, here's an important point. I have found that when people have a strong family history, which means someone having heart disease in their immediate family, and especially if the person, the family member died of the heart disease suddenly, and especially if they died young, by young, let's, let's do 60 or below as young. So if you had a first degree family member die suddenly below the age of 60, then that would be a big sort of warning, warning bell in, in the head. Those are risk factors you cannot modify, right? Age and family, we can't change. The ones you can modify is, is smoking and tobacco consumption, your blood pressure, your cholesterol value, your sugar value, and your body weight. So if all of these are in, are in reasonable control, I don't think there's any reason that you, that you need to necessarily get a, get a health check done before you start with this kind of a reasonable exercise schedule. If you want to do a high level of exercise, if you want to run marathons, etc., you know, you want to take it up, you know, do vigorous exercise. I would suggest you have a conversation with your doctor or a doctor who especially understands exercise. Let them review your profile because there are so many variables, right? Someone may have great cholesterol, but bad sugar. Someone may have everything great, but just bad family history. So review it once and they can decide whether you need to do further testing. Most people will not really require further testing. Some will require, and we start with a basic ECG, a stress test, and an echocardiogram. These are your three basic cardiac tests once you know the person's risk factor profile. And based on that, um, you need to proceed. You need to be careful of the weekend warrior syndrome. That's when someone hasn't done something since, since college days. And now they're, you know, 45, midlife crisis. They decide to go hiking up to, you know, Mathiran, Mableshwar without preparation and then you know bad things happen i think we need to get get rid of this fear psychosis and this anxiety i think unfortunately across the country people are getting scared of exercise rather than the overwhelming health message being you need to go out there and do it right i want to repeat that fitness gives you 
protection. It doesn't give you immunity. The health benefits of exercise, not just for the heart, overall longevity, mental health, um, cancer, um, Alzheimer's, strokes has been proven, you know, beyond, beyond any doubt. Be sensible, start with a sensible training program, start low and progress gradually. See, those two words are important. Progress. Don't keep doing the same thing for years and years. You won't get the benefit. Progress, but progress gradually and sensibly. You know, rule of thumb being not more than 5 to 10% at, at any given time or any given weekly period. The other last point is you must be aware if you're getting some signs and symptoms, do not ignore them. And this is a huge, huge point. There are several different signs and symptoms. Most important being any kind of discomfort when you exercise in the chest region. Now, the classic angina is pain in your left side of the chest going to the left arm. I say, you know, classic happens in very few people. And I don't like to use the word pain. I use the word discomfort because sometimes people call it heaviness, burning. And I say anywhere from your, you know, navel to your nose, any discomfort from navel to nose can be burning, heaviness, right arm, neck, jaw, back, especially when it's related to exercise, right? You start exercising, you feel that discomfort, you stop, it goes away. You walk fast, it comes, you sit, it goes away. That type of a discomfort, please, please get it checked out and assume it's heart-related unless proven otherwise. Second big red flag is getting out of breath or what we call unusual shortness of breath. Okay, let me give you the example of two people. Let's say somebody runs 10 kilometers three times a week routinely, you know, no problem. And somebody else does only two or three kilometers. Now, if the person running 10 kilometers starts feeling out of breath by the seventh kilometer, sixth kilometer, sometimes fifth, sometimes eighth, that needs to be investigated. If the person running two kilometers suddenly decides to do five today and feels out of breath, that's expected. But when you notice a change, do not ignore it. And exercisers tend to have a habit of ignoring it. I can tell you personally of several instances I know of people who had unfortunate incidents and they all had warning signs which they ignored prior to it. So a lot of the times, I would hazard to say 60 to 70% of the times when we say this suddenly happened, mm. while the event may have happened suddenly, there were warning signs a day before, a week before, a month before, which were taken casually. Today's episode is produced by Jairad Singh and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.